All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice, it arms leads the proof to the line. Hughes, Jones! Yes, existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. here like I don't I won't cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks just wave the guy and get Demko involved I wanted them in and Valentine's Day wow we should do a radio show together <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now Pearl steals cutting in shoots scores don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is David Quadrelli. I have four less teeth than the last time we talked and I am joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Chris, how's it going bud? Hey, good. Uh, you want to say your name one more time in case people have forgotten who you are? Yeah, it's been a while, man. I was thinking of doing a guest spot, but the, the wisdom teeth recovery wasn't great. But before we get to that, Chris, this show is brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. There's some nice releases on there, Chris. And by the way, that clip you posted on Twitter of you at half speed doing the intro to the show was amazing. I was I was belly laughing and I know that was like a week and a half ago, but you were you posted that after our last episode that I was on. So, I had to I had to get that out of the way and just say that was amazing. That that made me laugh very very hard. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the slow-mo when I said like to Newfoundland probably <laughs> like that was uh that was pretty oh. solid that's that's an old trick that i learned from our friends over at uh, pucks on net which uh which for you know what like I, when i moved here i got and i did a whole bunch of guest spots when i moved to vancouver from the island i remember doing like rob fay i remember doing a bunch of different podcasts being able to to record in person uh you know with with the c4 podcast and i was like i've been listening to pucks on net that podcast i've been listening to them for like five years probably and they never asked me once to guest on the show. And their 300th episode is coming up on Monday. Congratulations to them. And finally, I get a guest spot uh, with Gita and Ryan and Arash. So I'm, I'm stoked to be on their show this week. And, and they're the ones that uh, that actually posted that tweet. I remember like maybe two years ago they posted that tweet. And it was absolutely hilarious. So kind of stole that idea from them. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the part where you go and get yourself some new cards or whatever it was you <laughs> said that 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 was what sent me. But yes, we have a, we have a lot to talk about, and I know people want to hear about my wisdom teeth recovery. And if you don't, go ahead and fast forward. I hope to not talk about this for more than a minute. Chris told me I had to talk about it, so here we go. So yeah, I stayed awake for the procedure. By the way, that was oh. that was probably the part that threw people off. Like Woodley, I, I was talking to Woodley uh, for the story I did. We'll talk about Ian Clark later. Trust me. But I was talking to Woodley for the story I did, and I was just like, yeah, I'm on, like, day three of Wisdom Teeth Recovery. It's not great. And he was like, you stayed awake? What are you doing? Like, Woodley thought it was insane that I did that. And looking back, I would not do it again. Like, I stayed awake for all four to get taken out. Like, it was not fun, Chris. It it was weird. Did they give you the option, though? Or did they just, like, you weren't given the option? Because to me, it's a no-brainer to get knocked out. So, okay, so so my dentist was like, yeah, if you if you want to do that, you'll have to go to an oral surgeon. I'll have to refer you to someone because he's not like a like 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 he, he's qualified to do wisdom teeth, but he's not qualified to do the thing that puts you under, if that makes sense. Okay. And he's getting he's getting certification for that, but he's like a younger guy. Um, <laughs> this, and he, this sounds like a sketchy dentist. For all the no, men. he's good. He's good. He's, it was great. My recovery He's qualified great. to do it while you're awake, but not when you're knocked out that's i don't know red flag right there for me well, right off the you bat. have to get certification to use the uh what's it called anesthesia i think okay yeah yeah well you yeah. know what to, before, before you go any further the guy that took my wisdom teeth out had frosted tips so i don't think he was any more qualified than your guys so wow he just finished his concert and came to the came to the <laughs> operating table very yeah nice you must have must have been at the backstreet boys reunion tour <laughs> amazing yeah so i i i had my surgery and it, it was fine like you know, the worst part was the freezing, right? Like, before the actual surgery, I had to get needles all over my mouth. Like, he had to, he had to put a needle in my mouth, and 
that just now I I getting my vaccine soon. I know you got yours last week, which is exciting, but I'm getting my vaccine soon. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not really I was never scared of needles. Um, and yeah, it's just it, it's going to be nice to get a needle in my arm rather than four inside my mouth. Actually, it was eight because he had to do it twice to each side oh. of my mouth. It, it sucked, dude. It was it was really bad. But um, granted, I, I couldn't really feel the last four or whatever but yeah it was it was not fun but yeah that was probably the worst part is just getting the needles in your mouth like that that sucked for sure and then yeah the actual surgery is just kind of like you're sitting there you just feel this weird pressure and ugh, i, I don't want to talk about this much anymore the recovery sucked a lot um just yeah just a lot of yogurt <laughs> it was not fun chris and i, I don't want to talk about it too much more to be honest with you yeah i could tell like, I think maybe might have been late last night was like, oh, okay, I think quads might be ready to podcast because he ate McDonald's and I got a, I got a Snapchat of you in the McDonald's drive through. And I'm like, all right, I like, I think that he's going to be good to go for Saturday's episode. So that was yeah. promising news to hear, but yeah, you, uh, just from, from texting with you, like we didn't talk for a long time cause you said it was kind of, it hurt for you to talk a lot throughout the week. And I understand that obviously when going through wisdom tooth, but uh, you know, it's been a while since we've actually uh, talked on the phone, so this is good to uh, to knock out an episode here. But uh, but yeah, I've had a I've had a busy week too. I you know this all in this past week, like in the past three days, really. You know, I had my birthday on Wednesday. I got my vaccine on Thursday, and today, as we're recording this on Friday, last day of school at BCIT quads. I know you're stoked about that. Yeah, I I yeah I can't stress enough how stoked I am to be. Uh... To be done there for the uh, for the time being, and it's yeah, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I, I yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk too much more about that, but I, I am excited to be uh, done and kind of have a little more time on my hands to do Canucks work. Like I don't know if you saw, I, I've been killing it at Canucks Army lately. Like I'll, I'll show you the page view stuff later, but holy smokes, <laughs> the stories that I've been doing lately, I've I'm pretty happy with it. Like I did that story about the computer boys, um, which yeah. you know I, I was pretty happy with that one, and then uh, yeah. Did the Thatcher Demko one? I'm just sorry. I'm literally just looking. I did a post game report, and then you know we had the guys talking yesterday. The end of season availabilities, and the one, the one that really did well was the Elias Pettersson one. And I think we should kind of open up and talk about Elias Pettersson here just to start the show. I, I think before that's a- before we get into that, I just want to talk about getting the vaccine real quick. Sure. So. I, I was pretty late to the whole thing. Like, I, I could have got my vaccine a while ago. It took me a while to get my, my personal health number or whatever, provincial health number. Uh, mm-hmm. So I got that all figured out, finally got to go in. So I called them on Thursday morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, as soon as the phone's opened. You call this number, you get all set up with it. I talked to the nicest lady, like the nicest lady at 7 in the morning to get me all set up for my vaccine. She, she like we started the call she did, couldn't get her headset in so i could hear her in, like the distance and she's like oh i'm so sorry like I, I my headset's not in i can't i can't figure it out yet she's like just stay with me stay with me here and i was like okay like i'm not in any rush it's seven in the morning i ain't doing anything and then uh you know i i so i waited then she got on the phone she was just just a delight to deal with i told her that at the end like this she made it so painless and then from there I, I could, you know, register for a date and there was an opening at one fifty that day. So for people that are, you know, worried that it's a tough thing to do, like from start to finish of making my appointment to going and get it done, like this is what, maybe like like seven hours? Like I I called at seven, I was in at one fifty, I left the chair at two ten. Like easy, absolutely painless people. Please go out and get your vaccine. Let's try and get back to normal life because like, you know, everybody wants to see their friends and we we just like 
you know, we've had so many more listeners come onto the show since since the pandemic has started. Like, we want to do some live events, you know? Like, Parallel wants us to come in, and they want us to go to their East Van location there. And Parallel wants us to be able to, like, do live shows, you know, have events, watch Canucks games together. We want to be able to do this with, like, the listeners and, and meet a lot of people. Like, I know I'm a lot more excited than you are about meeting strangers. <laughs> but, like, you know, there are listeners of our show, so I want to be able to, to meet a lot of them in person. And, uh, you know, getting vaccinated is a good start there, so be sure to, to do whatever you can. And like I said, the, the whole thing from start to finish was absolutely painless. Like the, you know, the most painful thing has been trying to raise my arm after getting the vaccine. And that's not even that bad. I like, I looked at the the side effects that it's going to be. And it's like, Oh, you might experience like sweating and dry throat and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I sweat and have a dry throat all the time anyway. So like, I haven't like experienced any, uh, any side effects at all. It's been great. And uh, just another step closer to normality, man. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. But yeah, let's, let's go right into the Canucks talk. Unless there's anything else you want to get into here. No, no, I think it's good. Go, go get your vaccines. Yeah, everybody should go get their vaccines. But yeah, let's let's talk about the Canucks. And, you know, obviously the big news... Okay, yeah, we'll get to Elias Patterson later. I said I want to start with that. We'll get to that later. The big big news, Chris, is Travis Green re-signed by the Canucks to a two-year deal. It was confirmed by Jim Benning to be two years. Um, I guess just your initial thoughts on the deal and kind of, you know, what it... Like, like, I guess what it kind of means that the organization just kind of let him dangle in the wind as a lame duck all season long. Like, I didn't think we were going to get to this point. You know what? I recorded a show yesterday with Harmon, and I, I said I don't know if we're going to see him get, you know, coming back. We were discussing other potential guys who might come in here, right? I mean, like, I, you know, there was a quote from Travis Green today. Uh, during the the press conference that said that, you know, maybe he was a little bit worried and it went down to the wire with him getting a deal done. We heard that the gym offered them a contract at the start of the year and obviously that deal wasn't just good enough for them. So they they ended up working it out and to hear that Travis Green's back for two more years, it's it's an exciting thing because, you know, something else that he talked about today was, was being able to come here and build something, right? And you look at the way that this team's been built, not only have they brought in young players, they've brought in a young, pretty new coach, who had some time in the AHL, but really not not a lot of time, not a lot of experience as a head coach in a professional league. So to to find out that he's been able to grow with this group, he has a lot of trust between the players, and the way that he's been able to to insulate these young players and bring them into the lineup, that's an exciting thing for where this Canuck team is at with guys like Vasily Podkolzin and whoever they're going to draft with hopefully that top ten pick here in the upcoming draft, like. I, I like that Travis Green's back at the helm. Like uh, he he's done some things that we obviously question, and I think every single coach is going to have that from podcasts in the market. But at the same time, like as a whole, I've been pretty happy with Travis Green as the Vancouver Canucks coach, and I'm excited for him to be back for another two years with them. I'm convinced Travis listens to the show because I don't know if you remember this. A few weeks back, we were talking about you know we were talking about how Jack Rathbone was getting more of a role and how that was great. And then we were like, "What's next on our wish list, Chris?" And I was like, "Oh, for Rathbone to get power play time." And then even then, we were like, "Oh, well, he's not going to bump Myers or Schmidt." And then literally the next game, he was on the first power play unit. So <laughs> I'm I'm just saying, Travis is probably a listener of the show. Who knows? Um, but no, just just to kind of go back to what we were talking about with the deal there. I, you know, yeah, it, it's great they got the deal. Again, we, we've talked about it before. Like, I'm not sure if there's a coach that can get more from this team than Travis has and that Travis does. I'm not sure. 
but I know that the players really like playing for Travis, and that's just, you know, you, you can see that in the Zoom availabilities, like all the players going out of their way, some of them not even being asked about Travis and bringing him up and just saying that they hope he gets re-signed. Um, that was, you know, that that tells you everything you need to know, right? Like, like Travis is this team's coach, and Jim said that, and, you know, obviously the players feel the same way. So here's what I like about the deal. I saw some people say, or actually Farhan asked Travis today on the call, he said, Travis, like, are you a little concerned that, you know, you only, it's only two years. So in the first year of that deal, you're going to be heading into another lame duck year. Like in, in a year from now, Travis is going to be heading into another lame duck year. And Travis was like, oh, no, not really. He downplayed it. Whatever. That's fine. I actually can I, can like, I cut in for a second. Yeah, the way that it. Farhan asked that question was horrible. Like, I don't mean to, to call out Farhan right now, but like, he the knows, way, he I knows. think he yeah. knew it. Yeah, he knew the way that he asked that. I think he even asked it like two different times, and even the second time might have made it like more confusing. Like the first I, time he asked it was bad. I think we've all been there though. Like I've asked Travis a confusing question. You know that screen grab that I posted? Um, I, I think I posted on my main uh, Instagram account. I posted it and uh, it's just Travis with his head in his hand. Like, And it was literally while I was asking a question. But I asked it in the most <laughs> roundabout way. And it was such a... I, just, I worded it very poorly. But yeah, Travis is patient. He always tries to understand the question. Um, but what was I saying? Oh yeah. So... Yeah, so Farhan asked him that question. I actually kind of like the two-year thing for the organization because, listen, Chris, two years is the competitive window that Jim Benning's kind of set. He said, we're going to be real competitive in two years, and he, you know, that's obviously next season, the season after that, right? Like, that's the season they're talking about where they're going to be real competitive. If they're not real competitive by then, what are we even doing here? Like, Like, what's the plan? Because... At that point, you're going to have Bo Horvat, who just played his 500th NHL game, just getting older and older, right? Like, you don't want to you don't want to lose out on this core's window, right? Like, there's two windows for a core. We've talked about that. And the first one's quickly closing for this one. And then they're going to have to go get new kind of complementary players to, to fit around Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser, right? And Vasily Bud Colson, I guess you can include in that same with Niels Hoaglander. But... I like the two years, actually, because if they don't make the playoffs next year, there's going to be real questions asked about kind of this management group and this this organization. Like, here's the thing is, I think from the top down, there is a understanding almost that this year was a year that they just kind of punted on. Like, there was no buyouts last offseason. That handicapped them. They weren't able to sign to Foley because of that. Now they're getting that support, that financial support, right? Like, like Jim made it clear today that they are going to get all the money they need. So there will be buyouts. He he said there will be, they're going to use buyouts. So they are going to buy out at least one player. They have full support from ownership now. They didn't have that last offseason. That was clear. Again, we, we've talked about it. They didn't buy anybody out. They weren't able to sign to Foley. That's a whole other issue. We can get into that another time. But to have that support now, that should... Like, if I'm a Canucks fan right now, I'm looking at this situation in this press conference, and I think it's one press conference in a really long time that I'm actually looking at and saying, you know what, that gives me a little bit of hope. Because, look, they're going to be aggressive in free agency. Now, <laughs> you you also... I, I understand... If there's people out there that are saying, oh, good, last time they were aggressive in free agency, we got Louis Erickson for six years. I get that. I get that. And I get that the track record isn't great. But 
I'm like I'm I'm not trying to to single anybody out, but it it does seem like the pro scouting has been a little bit better in recent years, right? And again, I'm not I'm not going to single anybody out, but it I think with some personnel changes that they've had and new voices coming in, I think it's helped. I do. And I'm not willing to just say to have the cynical view of, oh, good, they're going to spend in free agency and look at trades. It's going to suck. They're, they're going to pick up bad players because it's like, you know what? They targeted Toffoli and Toffoli was a great trade. Now, would have been much better if they resigned him. But from a pure pro scouting point of view, Toffoli fit in very, very well with this team, right? So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit optimistic here, I suppose, but... They're trying to make the playoffs next year, and they should be. Like, there, there is no way you can go into next year and say, you know what, we're just, we're, we're not going to compete. Sorry, Elias Pettersson. Sorry, Bo Horvat. We're not going to compete this year. It's going to be just like the 2021 season. You, you can't do that. They have to go into next year trying to compete at the same time. They can't mortgage the future, which is why that was a great question, by the way. Speaking of questions, that you asked Jim today about, uh, about, trading draft picks that was a great question and you know I, I don't blame Jim I think he gave the correct answer to that because he can't come out and say no we're not going to trade draft picks and then if they end up getting a deal that they have to take and it includes a draft pick then it's like oh well you said this so it makes sense how he answered it but yeah that, that was that was a good answer Chris or sorry good question uh that you asked Jim but yeah I, I just look at the deal with Travis and kind of see okay two years is good because if if they're not competing at the end of that and they're not in a good place, and he's not getting the most out of this team, then you need to go look for a new coach. Yeah, I mean, the two-year thing is interesting because it, it can go both ways, right? I mean, you could go into next season, and if Travis isn't able, you know, if he has a healthy roster and this team isn't able to get over the top and get in the playoffs, it's another thing that could buy Jim Benning another year, right? Like, moving on from him, but at the same time, if they want to move on from Jim Benning, and a new general manager wants to come in, you only have Travis Green on that two-year contract. It's fine for that general manager to go a different direction or even go a year with Travis Green if, if we end up seeing Ben and gone. But from today's conversations, like, you know, just, just hearing Travis Green talk about it, you know, he said he wouldn't have signed back here if he didn't believe in what they're doing and what this team's capable of. This core is capable of a lot. Right? Like, this core is good. This is a good core here. Like, this is a lot of great young players under the age of 25 that – they are going to be able to compete for a long time. It's just, I think the thing that's a struggle for me still is just seeing how you had these real impact players in their entry-level deals and you weren't able to do anything with it because of what Jim Benning put around them. And I I found it interesting that Jim Benning brought up some, I guess like the way that he kind of answered it was that they're looking at different players, right? I don't think they're looking at Jay Beagle, win a cup, you know, that type of leadership guy. Yes. They yeah. they wanted to, I think his quote was, they want to add speed and depth to the forward group, which, ev- I mean, sorry, but like every team wants to do that. So like, I, I'm hoping that they're actually able to do that. And I agree with something you said earlier with just like, you know, it felt better today, but it didn't feel like, like to me, it's like, you know, when you get burned by someone, you know, you know, fool me once, whatever shame on me or something or shame on you fool me twice shame on me something like, i don't know what the saying is but anyways like <laughs> it, it at the point where it's like yes it's great to hear all this like it, it's really awesome to hear all this right but jim benning's in year eight we need to really see something this off season like he can't just talk the talk about being aggressive wanting to go out there and make trades actually buying out players that'll help this team in the long run help their cap in the long run 
like, I can't just hear it. Like, I can't just hear him talk about it this offseason. Like, if he's going to come out and do this in the eighth year now as a general manager, where everything that he's put himself into is, you know, you could call it his own mess, right? For a lot of these things with the cap, this is his own mess. You look at cap friendly, a lot of that is his own mess that he put himself into. So now that he's saying that they want to be aggressive, they want to explore trades, they want to explore buyouts, well, I need to see it. Like, I need to see it. I can't just hear about it in an off-season, you know, end-of-the-year presser. Like, now the pressure should be on Jim Benning for this to be a huge off-season. We've talked about it a lot. This is a massive off-season for signing Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Well, now that he's put extra pressure on himself, it's even more important. Like, it's even more important to do the things that he talked about today because we've heard it all before. Like, we've heard all of this before. Maybe not the buyouts. I don't think we've heard the word buyouts, but to hear that come out of his mouth was actually something that's like, oh, wow, like, this is something they're moving forward to. It sounded like there was a different feel from ownership maybe than there was in last offseason. So I just, I can't just hear it anymore, though. Like, I can't just hear it in press conferences. I need to see him go out there, be aggressive, explore buyouts, do things that aren't in Jim Benning's playbook. Like he needs to write a couple new pages in his playbook and go to those plays. And I just, I, I'm excited. Like I want it to happen, but it's like in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, is this just another Jim Benning end of the year press conference where it sounds like everything's going to get better. A couple moves get made. And then we're just right back to this next season. Like it can't be that because this is year eight now. So the pressure is on Jim Benning for this to be his biggest off season as a general manager now. Wow, you were really not keeping it to a thank you, Jim, today. Holy smokes, Faber's coming hey, up fire. You know what? My first question, like I like I was nervous. Like I was like, you know, he he literally contradicted himself completely today from what he said a few months ago about this team being two years away. And then he said that it was going to be a team that wants to get competitive, and I'll give Jim credit. The way that he explained it, you know, was a way that made sense to a lot of people. It still didn't really make a lot of sense to me because he said that, you know, players are going to get experience from the playoffs. And yeah, of course they are, right? Like they're going to get experience from the playoffs. But, you know, a Tom Tom Strantz basically had a similar question, right? Like how is the bar just making the playoffs still in year eight? When you've been able to try and build a contender, it shouldn't be to get to the playoffs. But, you know, to hear Jim Benning say that when they get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Like, you can't be just living off of anything can happen and hope. Because anything can happen has killed the Canucks over the past few years. Anything can happen crushed this whole season when the team got COVID and everything they had to go through with the schedule at the start of the year and the end of the year. Anything can happen has ruined them. So I can't just live off of anything can happen for the Canucks being a team that's competing for a Stanley Cup. Like, they need to get a lot better in a lot of parts of their roster to be a team that's actually competitive. Wow, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Just certainly not keeping it to a thank you, Jim. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. That's, You know what? The, the thing I wanted to mention, though, is it was interesting how he talked about the schedule because I think not a lot of people know this, but Jim kind of pulled back the curtain a bit on how the NHL scheduling works and kind of how he finds out the schedule, but they don't get sent anybody else's schedule. So I, I don't the, buy that, though. I don't buy that one. You, like, you don't you're not, you think he's lying? No, I don't think he's lying, but it's like, oh really, you can't like talk to another general manager and talk well, about your schedules and be like, well, Hey, yeah. why is why is yours so much better than mine at this part? Why you know, like there has to be conversations there. Like they're not even just general managers, but like other guys in the organization talking to their friends that are in another organization getting the schedule. Sure. I that one I don't really buy so much. Like I, I guess what he said was true, right? Like they don't get the yeah. other team's schedules, but 
to me, not getting that information is is a mistake on on the management group if they're not able to find out what the other team's schedule is looking like. That's not something very hard. Like you know, like to have enough connections in an organization yeah. to hear what their schedule is. I, I just I don't really buy that as a really good excuse to be honest. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a legitimate excuse, but holy cow, keep it to a thank you, Jim, Chris. My goodness. Um, but but yeah, it was it was kind of interesting to hear that because I didn't really know that's how it worked for the GMs. Like I kind of thought they got what we did, right? Like when, when the schedule gets published to the public, we can we see everybody's games, right? But yeah, they they only see their own games, and I guess they they probably thought like, oh, well, everybody's doing this, so. Yeah, you're right. They they probably should have made a call or two and said, "Hey, are you guys also playing 16 games?" And I don't know how many nights it was. It was like 30 nights or something like that. 34 nights. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was that that was an interesting press conference. I I'd say it's near the top in Jim Benning press conferences power rankings, right? Like I I'd put it near the top. There was like for him to say the words, "That's on me." I don't care what it was about. I don't care what the context is for Jim Benning to say the words that's on me in a press conference that immediately catapults it toward the top. Like I honestly, like I I've rarely heard Jim Benning take ownership for what's happened. Like there's a lot of excuses and the press yeah. conferences are always, always filled with excuses, right? Like why didn't we make the playoffs this year? Well, there's injuries. That's the, that's the big one. Right. And then hell, even in the mid season one, it was, well, we were preparing to play in the Pacific Division, not the North Division. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, I get it. I, I get what he's saying, but it's like, man, at some point you just have to wear it, right? And and he did today. That's why I think it's near the top in terms of the Jim Benning press conference power ranking since he's been here. I think from a management and upper management level, this today's press conference was like on the level of hearing, sort of like not on the level, like in a similar way to hearing... Trevor Linden say rebuild for the first time, you know, like hearing, hearing buyouts come out of Jim Benning's mouth and hear him talk about, you know, being aggressive in the trade market. That's something that we've kind of heard before, but hearing buyouts and hearing him say, like you mentioned, that's on me to hear that. I think that quote came from when he was talking about the 22 and 23 year old players or 23 and 24 year old players that didn't take a step like he expected, you know, Zach McEwen yes. wasn't an everyday NHL player. Ole Levy wasn't a guy who you could trust to play every game this season. Never though I still be. think he took, I, I still think he took some steps. But you know, Adam Gaudet not stepping up, Jake Vertanen, and we'll get to his situation somehow later on in this conversation. I don't know how we're going to get to that, but you know, these players just didn't step up like he thought a lot of them would. Jalen Chatfield is not an NHL player. I mean, you know, there was a time at this point of the season, like this year. Remember how many like guys just came off of like came off of the waiver wire? Jimmy VC played twenty games for this team, you know. Like, I, there's a lot that needs to happen for this team and changes, and it's not waiver wire pickups anymore. If this team wants to compete for playoff spots, you can't be picking up the Toronto Maple Leafs scraps to get there. Like, you need to be able to to have a solid team from top to bottom and hope that you don't get injured. But you know, like at the same time, it's. I need, like, I think I wrote that in the article today. Like, I need more than hope. I need more than hope right now. And I think that eight years in, every Canucks fan should demand more than hope. Because you can't just hope that this team's going to be able to do it. This team should be able to do it eight years into a general manager's tenure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I I can't disagree with you there. I think now's a good time to cut to break. On the other side... Well, before we, we go to break, let's... Can we try and discuss the Jake Vertanen thing just a little bit? Just, I, I, we're not the best people to do it. 
Well, but yeah, yeah. We no, we can. Yeah, I can. Let's, I'm let's do it before take we close this out. one. Yeah, I'll, I'll take okay. over this one. Um, so yeah, everybody knows what's going on with the Jake Furtana situation right now. It's a police investigation. We can't comment on it too much, and that's that. I guess that's kind of the frustrating thing is because I have a lot of thoughts on it, and I'm sure you do too. We can't say a lot publicly on a publication. Like we can't we can't say much on Canucks Army about our feelings about it. We can't say much on the podcast about our feelings about it because we don't get sued. So all we can say, I guess, is it's a very very sensitive topic, and there's a police report right now, and it's just I don't know. I okay. One thing I will say, and I don't think I can get in trouble for this. I I I saw some people were pointing out kind of how Jim Benning answered the question. And I, I took a bit of an issue with it personally, just kind of how, you know, and the thing is, is I don't think Jim meant to do it right. Like that's why I don't want to rag on him too much. Cause I, I, I don't think he meant to do it. I think it just goes back to him not being the best public speaker, which is a secret to absolutely nobody who's ever heard him speak publicly. But, but when he said kind of, well, the girl put out her blog, like the victim actually, to my understanding, posted or recounted the events on a private Instagram page, which then got shared by somebody else. That's my understanding of it. Um, but that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what, I, what I understand of the situation. I, I don't think there was ever a blog. And I, I honestly, I'm not even sure if the girl willingly posted herself. So I, I get why people took issue with it. I did as well. Um, but again, I, yeah, I'm I think not trying just to, because yeah. it's, it's in a similar way that we're not comfortable talking about it because we don't know everything. Um, but Jim Benning was asked about it and yeah, he, he, you know, didn't say the exact truth of how everything came out. I think that's just, you know, Jim Benning being a little bit, you know, not the greatest public speaker. I think if, you know, yeah, say Chris Gear was there, if, you know, if Chris Gear was there, he would handle the situation a lot better. And I I mean, I don't want to say like I don't blame Jim Benning for it because it's too bad that he wasn't able to articulate it a little bit better. Um, I think he probably understands the situation to a degree. But I, I would go out and say that I don't think Jim Benning knows everything about the situation. This one feels like one that's under Chris Gear, you know, well, their chief legal counsel, right? I mean, yeah, that, and that's this what is Benning a spot said. where he as a general as an assistant general manager, this is one of the things that Chris Gear covers. You know, you know, we've talked to Chris Gear earlier this year about things that, you know, have <laughs> happened and, and certain legal things as well that, that we've discussed and, you know, been great to deal with Chris. He does a great job at his, you know, at his job. Um, and we've had, I have nothing but nice things to say about him. It's just, you know, people that were bashing Jim Benning for the way that he said it, you know, the girl put her blog out there. Yeah, that's not, that's just not the right thing to say because that's not correct information. But I don't expect Jim to... Like, I just didn't expect him to give the correct information. This and... is this is why you need a president. This is proof exactly. positive of why you need a president, right? Like, you can't trot out an AGM out there to say this, right? And I get Chris Gears, the, the legal guy, and Jim named him by name as the guy kind of handling all of this. And to be, to, to be absolutely clear, because there was some, you know, based on how Jim answered, there wasn't a ton of clarity on this, but uh, props to Gemma, Gemma Carson-Smith, for following up on it. There still is uh, an independent investigation from the organization going on, uh, aside from the police report as well. So the so the police are obviously investigating it, but then also the organization is still doing their own uh, independent investigation. So, 
Yeah, just thought I'd throw as, that out there. Yeah. Like, as there should be, right? Like, there there should yeah. be, you know, now that a, this is a police matter, and now it's being, I, I, like, I don't even know, like, I don't want to say anything wrong, but this is being brought in front of the courts now, right? Like, I, I believe, like, I don't want to get it wrong here, but that's the way that I believe the legal system works. I'm, not, like, like I said, this is not a thing that I want to be confident talking about, and, like, I almost feel like I'm in a similar spot to Jim Benning, just because I'm not comfortable speaking on it because I don't know the right way to talk about it, I guess. But from the things that I understand how the story came out wasn't exactly the way that Jim Benning talked about it. And I just think that's from Jim's struggles with public speaking and maybe not understanding the whole situation, right? So, yeah, yeah. I guess we can leave it there. I just, you know, people have mentioned that we haven't talked about it. Um, I think for a lot of reasons, it's been tough for us to talk about it. Obviously, we, you know, it's it's serious. These are very serious allegations that we personally would never want to see not only athletes but just men do as a whole i'll say that and to hear that that's coming from a canucks player is is horrible um it's still allegations allegedly Allegedly. yes still allegations so i can't yes i do i do remember one thing from journalism school (laughs) um but you know like this you know just anything that that happens these type of situations every time i hear about them whoever it is um it's you know it just it's too bad that we have to hear about these stories because, you know, I don't, maybe it's good to hear about them, right? Like, it, it is good to hear that people want this to stop and want things to change because this is not, you know, this isn't the way that I was raised to, to treat women. And to hear, you know, if any of these allegations are true, it it's disgusting to me. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to say anything wrong here. Um, you know, we'll let uh, we'll let the, the lawyers on their podcast talk about that, the people who are better than it than us. So I'll, I'll leave it there, but I just, we had to talk about it, I think, because we've avoided it, you know, since it's kind of come out here. So I'm glad we could have the conversation about it, Quads, and I'm glad you uh, made me say allegedly as well. Yeah, absolutely. So on the other side of the break, we will talk about Ian Clark. We'll talk about Elias Patterson as well, the comments that he made, and we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll talk about more as well. <laughs> Keep it locked, keep it loaded on the Canucks Conversation. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. i got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel 49, as in the numbers, and then beer, that's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, Parallel49Brewing.com. That's Parallel, the numbers 49Brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors on the Canucks Conversation podcast. Chris, this was kind of interesting to me 
because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to goaltending coach Ian Clark. Now, this is something, it's kind of a situation I've been following very, very closely, and I've gotten a lot of different information and kind of sifted through everything and tried to tried to report it as fairly as I could, and basically, my understanding of the situation is that this has always been kind of a money issue, similar to Travis, like... If Jim had his way, my guess is that Travis and Ian and the rest of the coaching staff would have been extended after the bubble last year, but it came down to a money issue, which is, you know, Travis even touched on that a little bit today, but with Ian, it's a bit of a different situation because Ian had a personal deadline, kind of, that he expressed, well, actually, I don't know if he expressed the organization, I'm assuming he did, I don't want to assume that too much, but... Ian had a personal deadline where if he wasn't offered an extension, he was going to move on. And I think that deadline, or I know that deadline has passed. The issue now becomes, okay, he was like, that deadline may have passed, but I'm thinking that he wants to stay. And part of the reason I think that is because... The way Thatcher Demko spoke after the last game and how he talked about Ian Clark, that like like that that was unprecedented. Like I don't think people really understand just how how huge that was for Thatcher Demko to say what he said about Ian and really plead with the organization to get him signed and get him re-signed. I don't think people really realize how unprecedented that is. And I don't think Demko makes those comments if Ian wants to leave, if that makes sense. Now, the issue is likely that because that deadline has passed, Ian likely wants more money than maybe he would have taken before. I I know he wants what he's worth, and I think the big thing holding this up, and I think Woodley touched on this as well, is the term of the deal, right? Like, Travis is two years. We talked about how that makes sense. I think Ian wants more stability, Chris. I think Ian is looking for something that matches Demko's deal. So then you're looking at five years for Ian. I just don't know if the organization wants to give him that. I personally, and obviously I'm biased. I, everybody knows how much how much of a fan of Ian Clark I am. I think you give it to him, right? Like, like that's someone that you want to lock up. He, he's a coach. He's he's a goaltending coach, right? And you have Demko for five years, and they work well together, and they've progressed extremely well together, have a great relationship. Why would you want to ruin that? Why would you want to potentially have Demko take any sort of step backwards, especially when you consider your current roster construction, right? And yeah, that's. I guess that's all I have to say on the Ian Clark situation is just five years, it looks like, is, is what he's looking for. But again, not exactly sure. Right, and that's a that's a big commitment to make from an ownership group for a guy that is a goaltender coach, but this isn't just any other goaltender coach, right? This is a guy who has you know, turned Jacob Markstrom into one of the best goalies in the league when he was with the Vancouver Canucks and with Ian Clark, has obviously done amazing work with Thatcher Demko. There's no denying that. We saw what happened in the bubble, and from there... You know, he's continued to be that type of goaltender. And I think that I would believe a lot of what you're saying about him wanting a long-term deal because think about being in Ian Clark's shoes right now with 
one of the hardest working goaltenders in Mikey DiPietro being the next guy up. Like, that's going to be Thatcher Demko's backup after Braden Holtby's contract is up. Or, you know, potentially if, the, if Seattle selects him, it wouldn't shock me to see DiPietro be the backup next year. So, Ian Clark probably wants to work with those guys a lot. But I do agree with you where it sounded like a lot of, you know, there was a deadline, right? Like, and the thing that I've heard about Ian Clark, and I'm probably, sh- I'm pretty sure you've probably heard a lot of similar things, but like, Ian Clark isn't every goaltender's best coach, right? Like, he doesn't work with every goaltender because yeah. I think what the way that he works with his goaltenders is very demanding, right? Like, it's very demanding, and he's not the type of goaltender coach who's going to just pat you on the back. Like, if you have a good game, I think that there's more that you have to do to be better. Like, that's. That's my understanding of the type of goalie coach that he is, is that he's not easy to work with. Like, he's not easy to work with, but if you find the fit, and they found the fit with Thatcher Demko and Mikey DiPietro as well. Think about the whole year that DiPietro has been with him. This is a good fit for those two goaltenders when, you know, there was the, the things that I've heard that the relationship between Clark and Markstrom was, you know, great. They worked together very well professionally. I don't think they had the best, you know, just person-to-person relationship from the things that I've heard. And I think that having Ian Clark here, having him with Thatcher Demko, and having him with Mikey DiPietro for the next five years makes this team a lot better. Like, it makes this team really secure up a very tough position to secure up in the NHL. And to have that Demko deal come in for five years, to have Mikey DiPietro, you know, going to sign another extension for him, likely, I think, in one or two, in one year after next year, to have him be the backup and seem to already have a great relationship with Clark. DiPietro spoke very highly of him. I just think that like this has to be this has to be a major priority. But I, I wanted to ask you about the quote that Benning said today on 650 when he joined them later in the afternoon. And I'm just going to read the quote and then I just want to get your opinion on it. So when he was talking about Ian Clark, he said, I'm going to have a conversation with him later today or the next couple of days. He's also not the only really good goalie coach out there. Do you do you read into that at all, Quads? Like, because I feel like Ian Clark, to me, it's like he knows his worth, right? Like he is very confident, dude, in what he does. He doesn't need to wait on a day to day feeling or running out of time kind of guy. Like Ian Clark knows what he wants to do, and he knows that he has value in the NHL, and he knows that there's options out there. So why would he not get what he wants here in Vancouver? Yeah, no, absolutely. He he is going to get what he wants, and I, I can confirm, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, there are multiple clubs that are chomping at the bit for Ian, but look, there, there's not a ton of goaltending coaching jobs available, Chris, and I, I, I personally think that that might play into kind of, you know, going for the stability in Vancouver. I... I, I'm not. I'm not shutting the door on this. I know. I know some people with the deadline are are not very optimistic. I'm personally not shutting the door. I think if the organization pays up, that Ian will stay. Um. Again, that's there's there's a lot of what ifs in there. But to at me, the end of this the day, is, from what Binning said today about getting aggressive, this is the the first thing to get aggressive on. It's like talk to Ian, figure it okay. out, make it happen. Yeah, so that's that's what I was saying. Is look, Jim wanted Jim wanted Ian signed before the season even started, and now he has the money from ownership. And now I'm assuming we are assuming here that when Jim says he's been giving money and and he has full ownership's full support to make the team as as good as it can be. Again, that goes to buyouts, free agency, trades, and signings, and all that. Um, 
I think I think you you have to assume that that kind of extends to Ian. Um, my understanding, I guess, my guess, my 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 guess, I I suppose is the word I'll use, is that. Ian Clark, if he leaves, isn't going to be replaced by an outside hire. My my assumption is Curtis Sanford's going to get promoted. And Curtis Sanford right now is the goaltending coach in Utica. He works very, very closely with Ian. Uh, I've talked about Curtis before. The Sandman, as Mikey and the rest of the guys call him. Um, he, he's a good goaltending coach. And the thing about Curtis is not only did he play for Ian and know how demanding he is... He's now worked under Ian, and the thing that I, you know, when talking to Archer Silovs and Jake Kiley and all these other goaltenders in the system, the thing that they all say is kind of that the communication is very good between Clark and Curtis, and with that, it kind of means that the goalies go to camp, they work with Ian and Curtis, mostly Ian, and then they go down to Utica, and it's the same thing. Like, it's it's like they're obviously two different coaches, but they're constantly communicating with each other. Like, Curtis and, and Ian are constantly communicating about the goaltenders in Utica and what Curtis needs to do with them. And that's that's a good relationship right now, and it's a good thing that they've got going, right? Because you look at how DiPietro's, yeah. um, you know, developed in Utica, and now he's going to be coming to Abbotsford, and you're going to, he's you know... Ian, if he stays, is going to be able to be much more hands-on with the AHL guys, right? And I just, honestly, like, I, I think it's it's risky to tinker with a good thing that they've got going right now. But I also think that, you know, like, and again, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm not trying to discount the impact that Ian's had on all these goaltenders, but I am gonna I am gonna kind of vouch for Curtis Sanford a bit and say that uh, he is a good goaltending coach, and he's yeah. not gonna be Ian, but he's also gonna be better than an outside hire. And the thing is, is like, honestly, I can say pretty confidently that there's no better goaltending coach in the league than Ian. So if you're if you're losing Ian you're never going to be able to hire somebody who's a better replacement, right? And I just think hiring his protege or keeping his protege around, I guess, is probably the next best thing. So, I, I again, that's a cheap option for the Canucks, so ownership will love it. Um, but that's kind of how I look at that situation and, and see it playing out is if Ian leaves, I, I think Curtis Sanford's going to be the new goaltending coach of the Canucks. Well, let me get to, to something that you brought up, like, you know, a few weeks ago on the show about, the Canucks having their AHL team in Abbotsford. I just think that like the best thing about that would be the goaltending situation that you will have with the coaches. Like you'll have Sanford there every single game. You're probably going to have Ian Clark there for a lot of games. You know, like we're going to be at AHL games. We're going to be in the media box. We're going to see a lot of the Canucks staff around there. I think we're going to see Ian Clark a lot. I think he's going to be out there a lot working on his protege in Mikey DiPietro, who has shown a lot of promise. You know, he's over at the Worlds right now. You see Canada lost to Latvia? 2 nothing, by the way? I did see that. See today? that. Well, Ronald, Kennens had, uh, Ronald Kennens had two points. Uh, assisted on both the goals for Latvia. Wow. So, uh, but that situation, like, I think that that's the best thing about having them here. I think that it's great that you can call a player up and one day he just drives in and he's in the lineup that night. I think that's great. But I think it's even better to have 
them now not be, you know, a whole continent apart. You know, like, they're not on the opposite sides of North America anymore. They're down the road. Like, he is able to be there, be on the ice with him, do whatever they need to do with Mikey. Do you remember... Do you remember when Mikey really turned it on last year? Like, when he became the starter, it was after that time where he took a weekend off. He worked with Ian Clark that whole weekend. Like, it was a long weekend. He worked four straight days. He didn't play any of those weekend games. And after that weekend, he was the Comets starter for the rest of the season. He was the number one for the rest of the season and hasn't looked back since then. That's one weekend of work. He's now had a full year of understanding how Ian teaches and being with him on a day-to-day basis. So that's that's the biggest thing for me. Like, if you're able to keep Ian Clark and also now move your team, the HL team, to Abbotsford, he's going to be able to watch every single game, watch how he faces shooters, watch how he has game action live. Like, that's huge. That's a massive thing that the Canucks need to take advantage of. And like Jim Benning said, like, this is a thing to be aggressive on right off the bat. Jim Benning's got it. Like, he said, what, I'm going to talk to him today or maybe wait a couple of days. Like, be aggressive. Go talk to him now. Like, figure this out right now. Ian Clark has options. He doesn't need to come back here. But to me, that goaltending staff, and I know that you said, you know, I know you're high on Sanford, and, you know, I've been able to talk to him as well this year, and he's he's a seems like a smart guy, and he comes from the cloth of Ian Clark as well. But, man, it's a huge boost if you're able to keep this guy. And, like, sorry, but the quote that you heard today, like, why, I'm just wondering, like, why do you think Jim Benning says that? I Like, what do you think Ian Clark thinks when he hears Jim Benning say, like, there, well, there's a lot of good goaltending coaches around the league? I think that's partly just Jim trying to soften the blow for when, if and when Ian leaves, right? Because it's like, he doesn't know if he'll come back. And, you know, maybe it takes two sides to negotiate, right? So maybe, maybe they can't find something. And maybe even just, you know, the, the, the deadline having passed is just, you know, Ian's moved on. That That is a possibility. But at the end of the day, this was about paying him, right? And he, they just had to pay him. And maybe they waited too long and ran out of time. Maybe that's what happened. But Oof. I think Benning saying that is just kind of also reminding everybody that, yeah, he's a great goaltending coach, but Thatcher Demko is also the one that puts in the work. And Thatcher Demko is the one that makes the saves. And I know this is hilarious coming from me because I'm, you know, I'm a big advocate for keeping Ian around. But I think that's what, that's Jim's thinking there for sure. Um, You know, Demko pointed that out too. He said like, yeah, obviously I'm doing the work. But, and Demko even admitted himself like, you know, I would be nothing without Ian basically is what he said. Yeah. Well, he's like, even like to see, to see his mom send out the quote tweet and be like, hey, you forgot the word desperately in, in Ian McIntyre's quote that he put out. Like, that that just shows to me, like, how invested Ian Clark is. You know, like, I'm, you know, the the, the Demko family is a very smart family. They're very into mental health. Uh, you know, just hearing them talk on 1040 back in the day, you heard his dad on the radio a few times, and the, hear how invested they are in not only just being, like, the best physical athlete you can be, but, like, getting your brain engaged in the sport as well. Like, that's a family that I think is very engaged. And just to hear, like, his mom put a quote tweet out of it, like, you know, that that Demko camp, they really want him back. He, he made it very clear that they want him back. And I'm going to imagine that Mikey, who's also going to be the future, you know, future backup of the Canucks moving forward, and hopefully one day he can push Demko to be even better. Like, that's a great one-two punch in the goaltending department for the next five years. Like, you, to me, you just have to round that out with the guy who's brought them to this level. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, you're bang on. You're bang on. Like it's going to be an interesting, I guess, week. Like hopefully we have some sort of clarity by then. I'm gonna keep doing my digging, see if I can find anything else about the situation, and hopefully we'll have something to report on. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to close it with Ian. Um, I don't think we have anything else to add to that. Um, so yeah, interesting situation to kind of follow along with. Uh, the next thing on the agenda, Chris is Elias Pettersson, his comments. Now, he broke down, and how refreshing it was to hear Elias Pettersson break down a shift of hockey once again. Been a long time since we've experienced that. But he broke down the shift where his injury happened March 1st against Winnipeg's second shift of the game. His stick hits Nate Thompson's stick or something like that. He was going into a puck battle, and basically his stick hit Nate Thompson's stick, which hyperextended his wrist. And then he went out and scored a goal and an assist and then scored another goal the very next night before realizing that he had a wrist problem and wasn't able to continue. And we all know how it ended up playing out. Doesn't need surgery, didn't get surgery, which is great, but having a lot of trouble with on-ice stuff. And he said shooting, like flexing his wrist to shoot or sorry, flexing the stick to shoot is not something he's able to do right now. And I I wonder, Chris, like I I don't want to speculate here, but is this something that could affect him going into next year? Because that's a wrist injury, right? Like that's a wrist injury. And even with Besser's back injury, we saw how much that impacted him. And he's talked about it very openly how, yeah, it was healed, but it wasn't really there. It wasn't where it was in my rookie year. And I, I, I'm curious to see kind of how this wrist injury plays into Elias Pettersson's season next year. I'm, I'm very happy that they didn't rush him back. Right. You know, I, yeah, I heard, obviously, re- yep. heard a lot of the reports on the van cast. Uh, Thomas Durant's was talking about him hitting his bonus or whatever um, to hear PD come out and say that, you know, to say it's the shooting that's bothering him, flexing the stick. Yeah. All that stuff. I mean, like it, it's good that he's been able to have this time to heal. The only thing that worries me is that, he talked with doctors about a surgery and they decided not to go with the surgery. Like to me, if, if there was a chance to have the surgery that was going to maybe like have it for sure, be good to go for next year. Like, and you had an early chance to do that. I, I, I just, I don't know if the surgery, like, I don't know the, what the surgery was going to be, what it was going to do, but I hope that they made the right decision by not having the surgery then. Right. Like you, you know, Pedersen is going to rely on that shot for his whole career and I don't want to get 15 games in the next season and he doesn't have his shot anymore and then he has to go get the surgery right like that's that's the thing that kind of worries me to hear that surgery was discussed but not not decided to go through with in the end that's that's the only part of that conversation that kind of worried me a little bit yeah I again I don't want to speculate on this you know what I mean like I don't want to I want to say like, oh, well, maybe he'll need surgery next year because, you know, we're not doctors and the people who actually are doctors said that surgery isn't needed. So, uh, again, I I don't want to speculate too much on it, but yeah, it was kind of interesting to hear him break that play down and really it was just such an innocent play, right? It's just, man, like the chances of that happening are just so bad and it, it reminds me a bit of the Kirby Doc injury right in the world juniors like that was just so unfortunate and didn't look like it didn't really have to happen at all and and Pedersen I I'd say Pedersen is even 
that play was even more innocent than the Doc play. Obviously, Doc's injury was a little worse than Pedersen's, but still, it's just, you hate to see any player go down, but man, you hate to see star players go down. And, and Doc, he was a star player in the World Juniors, right? And he went down, and then, you know, same with Pedersen. You you hate to see him go down if you're covering the Canucks or watching the Canucks in any capacity, but even, even if you're just a fan of the league, you don't like to see Pedersen go down. And that was just such an innocent play and it just it sucks it sucks for the organization it sucks for Pedersen it sucks for everybody and I think the only thing that worries me is like to I guess to get back to like the surgery thing sorry I just want to round this out but like Brock Besser had wrist surgery like he missed the world juniors right in 2017 like the end of 2016 he missed the world juniors that year to undergo that surgery on his wrist and it didn't end up fully healing it felt like right like the wrist always kind of gave him some troubles and he ended up hurting it again and you know that was 2018 when he had the the wrist injury as well and then kind of went from there so like i maybe the surgery is the right decision to not go with it so that kind of worries me a little bit but i just think that like like i agree with a lot of what you said like you know to think that you would get a Pedersen not back at 100% is a really scary thought for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward, and I hope that they've handled this situation correctly here. Yeah, I think that's all we can say is that we hope they've handled it correctly, right? Like, And I think that's all fans can do right now is just hope that, you know, Pedersen seems confident. Uh, you know, he, he said he'll be he'll be good to start next year and he'll be able to get on the ice in the offseason. He's flown back home to Sweden right now. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's there now, flew back yesterday or... Yeah, yesterday I think, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was good to hear him talk. Good to hear him break down a shift of hockey. I think now is a good time to jump to the prospects report, Chris, and you actually have one. So so go ahead and give us your Vasily Pod Colton take. Make it make it loud and clear. <laughs> I will do at uh, at uh, midnight here on a Friday night as we're recording this. I I just I want to talk about Vasily Podkolzin a little bit. I, I always do. You know this. I do this on the show a lot. Uh, basically, did it for a full season here on this prospects report. But just you know, it it kind of just sparked a little bit from from talking with Harm on the episode on Thursday, and from talking to other people about Vasily Podkolzin. You know, I talked to Dylan about him quite a bit in the episode that you missed from the draft episode as well. And I just think that like to me, every single person that I talked to over you know a year ago was higher on Vasily Podkolzin than Niels Huglander. And Vasily Podkolzin took a big step this year in the KHL. Like, he took a huge step doing what he did in the playoffs and playing that good of hockey and looking like an actual star in what I believe is the second-best league in the world. He was playing 14 minutes a game and looking like their best player on the ice on a stacked team that was still playing him in bottom six positioning, not giving him playoff time, scores a ton of goals at five-on-five, You look at what he did in the regular season. He was one of the top players in the KHL for goals allowed. Like, he just didn't, like, other teams didn't score goals when Vasily Podkolzin was on the ice. Like, this is the type of player who I am so sure is going to come into this Vancouver Canucks team as soon as this fall and make a massive impact. I think we saw what Niels Huglander did this year. We saw the 27 points, the 13 goals, played all 56 games. To me, there's just nothing about Vasily Podkolzin's game that says that he can't do exactly what Niels Huglander did. If he's put into a position to succeed, and it doesn't even need to be a top six line to me. Like him playing on a third line and playing 14 to 16 minutes, 
he's going to make a massive impact on every single game. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's, you know, I think flat-out speed, just as good of a flat-out speed skater as Niels Huglander. He might not have the offensive creativity that you see with Huglander. He might not be able to make Deeks as good as Niels Huglander. But it's not like he's bad at it. Like, he's still very strong with his offensive skills. And to see him play with NHL competition, this is something I screamed about, about Niels Huglander. Was like, he was playing on a third line in the SHL earlier this year. Or, I guess, to finish off 2020. In his SHL season, this season. He's playing on a third line, playing 14 minutes a game. He actually had the exact same amount of average ice time as Vasily Podkolzin did in the playoffs. They both averaged 14 minutes and 2 seconds per game. Podkolzin had better performance in the playoffs per points than Niels Huglander did all season in the SHL in a stronger league against tougher competition, better goaltending. I just, I am so set and I'm so sure that Vasily Podkolzin is going to have a massive impact on the Vancouver Canucks that like, he needs to be given the same opportunity as Niels Huglander did this year. He needs to be put into a spot where he can have success. And I'm just, I'm so confident. I'm so confident that, you know, a lot of people are saying like, don't, uh, don't be like fully sure that he's going to step in and be this huge impact player. Some people are saying that he should come in and be on the fourth line to start, like play on the fourth line. He's going to play 10 minutes a night, you know, let him get ready for the NHL. This guy's so ready for the NHL. This guy was ready for the NHL last year. Like, this this is the type of prospect who isn't going to come in and score at an Elias Pettersson rate. That's the part that he's going to have to grow his game. Like, he's not going to come in and be a first-line star. But to me, there's no reason why he couldn't start on the first line. From watching Vasily Podkolzin play, there's no reason to me why he could not play on a line with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser on day one of training camp. Like, if that's an option, if that's what Travis Green wants to go with in a similar way to how he did it with Niels Huglander, but play him on the first line. Because to me, he's a better prospect than Niels Huglander. He's always been, ever since they were drafted in the same draft. To me, Pod Colson is a better prospect. And to think that it's crazy to start him on a line with Pettersson or Besser... Or even on a line with Horvat and Huglander. People that don't think that he should be there. I, I just think that they're wrong. Like I think that Pod Colson. I don't just think. I'm very confident that Pod Colson is so ready to be a top six player in the NHL. Because it's going to be like taking a leash off of a dog at a park. And letting him just go wild. Like this guy does so many things right. And when you get him on a line with other players that can score. You're going to see the assist. You're going to see his point total be way higher than it's ever been. Instead of playing with fourth line guys in the KHL. Or playing at World Juniors with guys who can't finish. Or going to a World Championships and being left off the roster. Like this guy is ready to explode. 100% ready to explode. And I'm hoping that the Canucks and Travis Green give him that opportunity to do that right out of training camp. Because he's more than ready to me. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's just, I, I wonder kind of what the layout is going to be. Like, like, do you think that they start next season with Pod Colson and Hoaglander flanking Bo Horvat? You know what? I, I think they should. I really think they should. The only thing that keeps me, keeps me doubting that is that, you know, Travis Green, ever since he's gotten Tanner Pearson, he's played him with Bo Horvat. And a lot of people think that that success is great. 
you know, they, they do tend to play a pretty good game together. Um, they don't assist on a lot of each other's goals, which is something kind of strange about them playing together. But they do have some sort of chemistry. And that line of Horvat, Pearson, and Huglander worked. But, like, even if you're going to just, like, even if you're going to play them in a defensive role, like, if you're going to play Horvat line the way that he's played over his career, Vasily Podkolzin's probably a better option there than Niels Huglander. Like, getting Niels Huglander away from those tough matchups is probably a better thing for him, and Podkolzin's a better player to do that job. Because that's the part of his game that's so NHL-ready. It's, like, how he takes away pucks from guys, how he battles players on the boards... How he's able to just push play so much and have, you know, like everybody knows, like I, everyone who follows me on Twitter knows, like we tracked the Corsi in a lot of games earlier in the year. We tracked like the first, I think it was something like 28 games and he's sitting at like a 60 plus percent Corsi. Like it's crazy to think that, that he's doing that in the second best league in in the world. So I'm, I don't know. I, I know, I know that Craig Buttons even said it like, you know, he was on the show earlier, or, or I guess last week and he even said something similar where like, he would bet his scouting career on Vasily Podkolzin making it. From every player that I've watched and prospect that I've watched, I'm just, I'm so excited to see him in a Canucks jersey because I know that he is capable of making an immediate impact. And I'm confident that it's more than Niels Huglander. And that's not like a shot at Niels Huglander. Vasily Podkolzin is just that good. He's that good right now. And to see him get an opportunity to be an offensive player instead of a fourth line player is what he's just, he must just crave it. Because, man, like, he's been so disrespected in the KHL. Like, he's just not gotten an opportunity like he deserves. He's a, like, he's a star in the KHL. He's an absolute star in the KHL who plays on a fourth line. Like, this guy needs to come over to the NHL and be given an opportunity to be a star. Because, yeah, he's not going to score the 40 goals every year. But, man, is he going to play very well when he's with NHL scorers who can score NHL goals. Like, to me, if he's on the fourth line to start the season, he's going to be a hell of a fourth liner. But I don't think that that's the best spot for him because I think he can bring enough right off the bat in a top six. Potentially, you know, just starting on a third line, I just I worry because I wonder what that third line looks like for the Canucks. Through and through, like he's going to be the play driver on that line, and I would love to see him driving play with like a Besser and a Pedersen instead of a Sutter and Roussel. You know, like, he he deserves the opportunity. I hope he gets the Hoglander treatment like we saw at training camp this year. I think you. I think we will. Honestly, that that's kind of my take on the situation. I think we will see him kind of get get that opportunity and thrown into the deep end, kind of like Jack Rathbone, kind of like Hoglander. Yeah, can I ask you about it, though? Like, is that... Are you thinking that that's crazy to think he could play with Pedersen and Besser on day one? Because a lot of people no. thought it was crazy to see Hoglander play with Horvat on day one. But I also... I also think that it's it's tough to make these these kind of proclamations without seeing what they're going to do this offseason because Jim talked a lot about forwards, man. Like it looks like they're going to get a forward. And Yeah, but you know what else quads? You know what else he talked about a lot was Vasily Podkolzin. He's talked a lot about Yeah, Pod he Coles. did. You're right. You're right. But again, are we bringing up the lotto line if they go out and get another winger or an actual third line center? Are we really ready to break up the lotto line? Because I don't think so. I think that's one of the few competitive advantages this team had, aside from the goaltending, right, against most teams, was that their top line was better than most teams. But they lost that, right? And getting that back, that's going to help. That's going to give this team a lot more swagger. Well, if you look back at what Jim Benning has done in the past, 
he was confident that Huglander could come in and play that role, so he let Toffoli walk. Those are his words. If there's a deal out there for JT Miller that can bring back value, you think Benning's confident enough in Pod Colson to put him in that spot right off the bat? Like, if you can no. get value back for JT Miller? No, no. And I think the reason is just because it's it's, just, it's too much of a step backwards. It's just, it's so hard to replace what Miller brings to the lineup, right? Like, mm-hmm. it like is. Miller is Travis's guy, right? There's that element of it as well but just what Miller did in the bubble last year and just when the games actually matter this is a tough season to I guess base it off of because he's an ultra competitive guy and you know people are like oh well his attitude sucked and it's just you know what yeah look at what they went through this year my attitude would suck too like I wouldn't want to back check if this season was going the way it would or the way it did you know what I mean it's just I don't know I Personally, I think just what he brings to the lineup and kind of how he's a respected voice in that locker room, I I don't think trading him. I like no matter what you're getting, I just I think the the cost outweighs the benefit if that makes sense. Just yeah. what you're actually losing, I think, and especially when you, given the team's competitive window, like how are you going to replace that? Right, like you're not right away, and yep. it's just I I I think he should be off the table. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of sits you into a spot where, you know, you see the lotto line come back, and it makes a lot of sense to me, right? Lotto line was one of the best in the NHL when it's together. So maybe you do see, maybe that spot is a battle between Pod Colson and Pearson at camp. And that's that's the tough part for me because I don't see, like, that's the thing. Like, I want to see Pod Colson be put into a spot, but I don't see Pod Colson going into camp and beating out JT Miller to play on that line with Petey and, and Besser. And I don't see him being able to go in and beat out Pearson to play on that second line. Like, I think maybe as a skilled player he can do it, but not with Travis Green as the coach. You know, not with not with any NHL coach is going to make that happen. That's why I kind of see Pod Colson ending up finding himself on a third line, right? Like, and then I, I just hope that that third line is some of these, you know, speedy offensive players that Jim Benning talked about today. Like, because I need to see Pod Colson be given a chance to play with guys who can bury the puck. His playmaking is going to get him points, and his playmaking is going to make... If he's the guy on the third line, his playmaking is going to make that third line effective. Everything that Jim Benning talked about for the players that he wants to go out there and acquire in the offseason is Vasily Podkolzin. Like, everything that he talked about. You know, getting play, like, keeping the puck in the offensive zone, not being sheltered in your own zone every time like their bottom six has. Everything that Jim talked about today is, like, Podkolzin. So he needs to get some other players on a third line that can do that. He can't he can't play with Jay Beagle. Like he cannot play with Jay Beagle. And I just have a feeling that that's what we might end up seeing out of camp. Yeah. I I think you're right. I think I think we're going to see him in the top 6 personally. Like I I think that's kind of that's that's just I just think that's kind of coach Travis's. Like Travis is going to give him the opportunity and let him either lose it or seize it. And in the case of Hoaglander he seized it, but we'll have to wait and see. Lots of lots of time before now in training camp. Well, so. let's. I just want one more thing to extend because you brought it up there. Like the the fight might be between Hugliner and Pod Colson. Like that might be the fight for the final top six spot. Because I don't see I don't see Tanner Pearson being the guy getting bumped down as much as a lot of people would like to see it, and as much as every like I feel like every single Canucks fan wants to see Pod Colson, Horvat, and Huglander on a line. I just I don't see Pearson being the guy getting bumped. As much as I'd like to see him go down and be a third-line player, you know, he's making 3.25. 
He's Jim Benning's, you know, big uh, big forward signing of this season. I don't see him being pushed out by Pod Colson. So I think it, you know, now that I look at it, I think the fight might be between Huglander and Pod Colson for the final top six spot. Which is like yeah. look at it from look at what we were talking about last year for the final top six spot. Like obviously Huglander came in Jake. and shocked everyone. We're talking about yeah, yeah. we're talking about Louis Erickson, Jake Vertanen, Antoine Roussel maybe getting a run. You know, maybe Adam Gaudet on the wing in the top six. Like, I don't want to swear, but like, holy, you know, that word. This is so much better to now have a top six battle for the final spot if it's potentially between Niels Huglander and Vasily Podkolzin. That's a massive improvement from what they were going into last year, for sure. Yeah, now think of it after they get Taylor Hall this offseason. Like, that'd oh, be what even crazier. <laughs> yeah, Jim's yeah, just... going to get aggressive. He's getting aggressive. Casually throwing out a Taylor Hall to Vancouver prediction, but yeah. Um, hey, before okay. before we close out, um, did you happen to listen to the draft episode that uh, we did? It was two and a half hours long, so I'm not saying you know if you didn't listen to it, but uh, just looking at the views, a lot of people did. A lot of people enjoyed that draft episode. I was not one of them. Wow, the disrespect. Sorry, man. The Sorry. disrespect. If quads ain't on, he ain't listening. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, like, maybe, maybe, do you have like a feeling like if the Canucks are at nine, do you have a guy that you like there? Because I, I definitely do after hearing all the guy, all the, the guys and Alexa talk about which players they liked. Kent Johnson, I think, is a good player. Um, haven't seen enough though. But like, you know, I saw Kent Johnson in the BCHL, and that was the year I was covering the Express. And he's good. Like he was so, so much better than everybody else. And right. yeah, I just he just I, he I don't ain't know. a center though, from what I heard, from what Cam was yeah. saying, he ain't a center. Like, yeah. I, I'm going a lot of off of what Cam said, but if the Canucks are picking ninth or 10th here, like, if Mason McTavish is there from how high Cam was on him, you know, I think there, there's going to be a couple options, right? Like, everyone's kind of saying that there's 11, like, 10 or 11 guys that are really at that tier before it falls off. And I think the guys that are at the bottom of that tier for, for where they kind of fit on a lot of people's boards is going to be Mason McTavish and Fabian Lucell. And I think... The Canucks adding either of those players is a very exciting thing for this organization. Like, Mason McTavish seems like a, a third-line center who is going to come in maybe after a year of wherever he goes and plays because I think that's kind of up in the air for him. Uh, if he goes back to the OHL for another year or depending on what happens with him, maybe he wants to go back overseas. But, like, he's a guy who I think can come in, you know, not next season but the season after and, and push to be that third-line center. So I'm pretty high on McTavish right now. Cause I just, I don't think Clark's going to drop to them, but like now that I see it, like, man, it would be so big. It would be so big for the Vancouver Canucks to win one of those top three spots. And the fact that they push down so much at the end of the year really hurts them. If you, if you guys are like, if Canucks fans are looking for a defenseman, winning all those games at the end of the year really hurt them for that. It's tradition. It's, it's, it's tradition uh, for the Canucks yeah. to win all the meaningless games and ruin their draft position. It's tradition. <laughs> yeah. Chris. You, you all know right. this. I, Come yeah. on. I'm done now, Quads. I'll, I'll let you finish up the show. You've been trying for a while now. <laughs> I have been. I'm, I'm getting kind of tired. It's almost midnight that we're uh, putting the final touches on this. Um, quick betting segment. Our friends at Odd Shark. It's not, it's not really a segment. You're going to talk to Ian next week, which I'm excited well, for. Ian's going to stop by. Well, now i got to cut in again because I... I, I Maybe Ian listens. Maybe someone from Odd Sharks listening. I sent Ian some messages. None of them got delivered. So I tried to send him his text messages. We, we got to get in contact with our folks at, at Odd Shark. We wanted to bring him on this week because playoff hockey, lots of fun betting. So we're, maybe we'll have to send an email instead. But we will get 
back to the betting segment because playoff hockey is fun to bet on. So we want to get if it's Ian or if it's somebody else, uh, we will have somebody from Odd Shark next week. Yeah, very fair. Um, my my advice: take the over on Carlos Rodon. Uh, I did it tonight actually against the Yankees team that swings a lot. Remember, I told you on the last episode to bet again any pitcher pitching against the Yankees. Just take the over on strikeouts. Like it's it's not a bad bet. Just take a look. Pitcher's probably going to get strike out, strike them out a lot because the Yankees swing and miss a lot. The danger with that bet is that they also hit a lot of homers. So. If they start tagging a pitcher early, he's going to get pulled out of the game early, and then your bet's ruined. Yeah. you got to hope he's ha- he's got his good stuff that night because the Yankees do like to swing and miss. I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode, Chris, with some baseball talk, of well, course. Yeah, that, that sounds a lot like me on MLB The Show. against. I played played a game against you the other day. I had 23 strikeouts with 29 oh, outs, man. or sorry, 27 outs in a baseball game, and I had 23 strikeouts. That is not yeah. good. That is really What was good. the final score? I can't remember. Like you won by two? Yes. Was it three one? Three one, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I don't yeah, feel bad about 3-1. that. I think we went to extra innings actually now that I think about it. You know, I'm happy Did with we? that. I think so. I think you uh you ended up putting a couple of extra because I hit a late home run to tie it up. You left a you left a fastball up and Miggy just launched one. Alright, close it out. I'm oh. done here. I'm done. I'm done. Ugh, that fastball haunts my dreams. Okay. This is a good place to end it. For Chris Faber, my name is Dave Quadrelli. Remember to keep it to a thank you, Jim. And thank you so much for listening to the Canucks Conversation. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.